0: Being an umpire, being a debater, which I did in high school, did, uh, and was a, a debate judge all through college to make you know pocket money when I didn't have any money. Also, um, it teaches an individual to have perspective. So, as a debater, for instance, um, I might have a personal belief about a certain issue. Okay. Say we're debating the morality of capital punishment. Maybe that was the topic of the month. Okay, I might have a personal opinion, but the mandate in debate for for people in high school and in college, there are many different styles of debate in university as well, is that a debater has to be able to argue two sides of a coin. They have to go into one round arguing one and the next round arguing the other. So it requires the individual to be able to step in the shoes of the opposition and empathize with them. And understand them and get it, and still be able to have their own personal beliefs, but know what the other side thinks and still advocate for them. And that is where empathy is born. And so, as I say, as an opera singer, opera singers have to have empathy to be great performers. They have to understand who the people are on stage, they have to have perspective about how, who those people are on stage. They have to have a perspective. I just sang Manon at the Metropolitan Opera last night. It was a premiere last night. I have to understand why Manon was being sent off to a convent. And when I hear that, why that shocks me, that's perspective. So if I swing it back to debate, or and we'll talk about umpiring in a second too, it's imperative to be able to hear the words of a character and hear the words in a round of debate and understand why people are saying it and how i can either improve as a person or help that other person improve and i think they they cross-pollinate they're all they all intertwine in many ways and thank god that i was able to do those things when i was a young person because now i have that great understanding as an opera singer that i could i can relate to the people on stage with whom i'm singing perspective empathy came from debate from umpiring Um, I would say it was quick decision-making, being able to make efficient decisions. And in opera, I have to be able to make efficient decisions whilst singing. When I'm singing and I'm having, let's say I'm really ill, and I've sung ill on a number of performances, there are a lot of snap decisions a singer needs to make in order to survive a performance. A lot of them. And it takes... Will of mind, but will of the throat as well. And umpiring gave me that ability to be able to think, huh, I have to make a quick decision that's clean and clear, and I have to stick to it. Once I've made the decision, it's done. I can't turn around, and I can't go 180 degrees on the decision. So if I'm about to do a phrase of music and say the opera Mephistopheles by Boito, and it includes a gigantic high B-flat and I'm used to doing the whole phrase with one breath, and I instead decide to take two or three breaths in order to survive that night, I'm going to stick to it because I want to stick that B-flat and still nail it. So that decision-making process came from umpiring. And so those two things, perspective and decision-making from from debate and from umpire, have created the ability for me to be, I'd say, a decent opera singer.
1: I heard you tell a story once about an audition with the Paris Opera and having some bumps in that audition. You were suffering from a cold and, yeah. and, you know, some traveling and other other speed bumps there. And that also had occasion to have you make some quick decisions based on what happened on the stage. Yeah,
0: that was a different, I mean, yes. Uh, I'm, y- of- thank you for doing your big homework. Uh, that's a, that's a, it's a great story. I, yeah. I'd been on this long something. audition tour. This is a great story for younger listeners, too. Um, I went on my first audition tour around Europe to 22, 23 cities. I don't remember the exact number to audition. And I had I I had earned no job in any city, one by one by one by one. And I ended up in Paris in the last audition. And I was sick with a cold. I was despondent. I was upset. I was angry. Why am I here? Why am I auditioning? And I walked on stage for the audition. I tripped on the piano. I started laughing at myself. First thing I sang, I cracked my guts out. I laughed at myself on stage. I figured, you know, might as well laugh and have fun. And they asked me to sing something else. I didn't sing it well. I got off stage, and 30 minutes later, my manager called me and said, they've engaged you for two jobs. And I said, is this a really bad joke? And he said, no, they thought that you had a wonderful personality, that you were affable, you were fun, you were able to handle the fact that you weren't in great shape, but they knew that you were sick, and you took it well. And uh, they want you, and that's it. And it was a big eye-opener that people are always looking for different things at all times, that it's not just a great sound, or it's not just a great high note, or it's not just a great this or that. Every individual is different. One size doesn't fit all in our world. And I also realize that I will never be to the taste or liking of every, every person. That's totally fine. I totally accept that. There are people that do not like my voice, and that's fine. And then there are people that do. And I, I'm very grateful for those people. And so that was the first moment that I had that realization that some will like and some will not. And so it's my responsibility as an opera singer to be able to showcase as much of my talent in as the best way possible and mitigate all of the kind of negative attributes of my instrument and what I do on stage so people can get the maximum impact of what I can offer.
1: I think that's some great job interviewing experience too from Michael <laughs> Fabiano who will be performing he's going to be the at the center of the Michigan Opera Theater opening gala on October 12th uh, coming up at the Michigan at the Detroit Opera House he's currently performing in Manon at the Metropolitan Opera thanks for coming into WRCJ today you uh, are a graduate of the University of Michigan you studied there with the great George Shirley, who's also being honored during the opening gala on October 12th, he talked to you about, well, a lot of things to to help in your development. Another story that you've told in the past was about a, a low grade
0: that he gave you
1: <laughs> in order to
0: maybe inspire
1: you to, to kind of dig down for more. Sure. Can you tell us about that?
0: First of all, George is one of the most inspiring people I've ever met in my life, Um He's one of my heroes, and he's someone that I think is undervalued even in our, our world of culture and art. He, he was the first African-American tenor to sing at the Metropolitan Opera, with it, which in itself is a gigantic feat, a gigantic feat. Besides that, he had a voice uh, that was resplendent and italian and had beautiful, beautiful language and diction and a beautiful commitment to the stage. And there are a number of recordings that I have found, kind of like these pirate recordings that I found over time of Professor Shirley of Simon Bocanagra, Madame Madama Fly. And he ranks for me up with the greats of the greats. I mean he is he's on the stage singing with Bernardo tibaldi singing with, with them as their equal and as good or better.
2: And it's
0: it's very emotional for me to hear him as an adult now, more than it was when I was a student because I'm doing it now, and I can see the kind of impact that he had when he was at at, at the prime of his career. So that's the first thing to say about him. But George was the most impactful person in my life when it's come to uh, a mentor and teacher. And it largely stemmed from two things. One, he was commanded by ethical and moral obligations. And when i entered into his studio to study music he said is this really what you want to do and i was not sure when i was 18 i did not know i thought i was going to be going to business and he said well when you a talent like you do one has an moral responsibility to share the talent with the public and if you don't you're derelict to the public and hearing that as a young person that's hard to hear it's t- 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 Strange to hear. How does how does some, how is someone commanded to a moral responsibility of talent at the age of 18? But George is a very strong, imposing figure. And over my studies with him, it became clear that he had a great interest and care in me as a student, but also me as an instrument, and also cultivating the talent that I had. And I onboarded very strongly that I had this moral responsibility to share my talent because I believe that my talent is not my own, it's everybody's. That when we look at a Picasso, it's everybody's. Everybody gets to see it. Or Van Gogh, everybody gets to enjoy it. Yes, the painter painted it, but ultimately the public gets to get the great value out of it. It's a societal good. So I think The Voice, for instance ultimately becomes a societal good as well. And George taught me that. That's the first big lesson. After my first semester with him, he gave me, if I remember, he could correct me, I think he gave me a B, which for me was a horrendous grade, a horrible grade. It crushed my GPA, it like ruined it, decimated it, and I I remember cussing like a crazy person when I got it, because this is impossible, I don't get grades like this, and I, I don't I can't remember exactly how I handled it, but I, I remember saying, why did you do this? Why did I earn this grade? I worked very hard, I studied, I did everything that I was asked to. He said, you haven't lived up to your potential. You can do more, I don't see you studying enough. I haven't seen you in the library enough. I haven't seen you bring me enough of the, the raw music that you should, you should really want to do. You can do better. I said, but everybody else has earned an A. All my friends have earned A's. He said, fine, you didn't deserve an A for what your potential is. And you know what? That's when I started spending my hours at night, sitting in the library, learning every donut's at the opera, and studying Italian on my own, even though I never took many Italian classes. Now I speak Italian. You know, um, I graduated in three years. That's how fast I did it. I got it done so quickly.
1: So how do you know now
0: when you've done enough? I will never have done enough. That's it. I will keep doing more and more and more. I don't think there's an end. It'll end if I get hit by a bus or when I die, right?
1: Michael Fabiano, thanks very much for coming in today. Great to be here. Michael will be performing on October 12th at Michigan Opera Theater at the uh, Detroit Opera House, the opening of Michigan Opera Theater's 2019-2020 season. Thanks again. Thank you. For WRCJ, this is Peter Worf.
2: Chi is a fierce and a fierce and a fierce non a fierce and a fierce a fierce and a fierce and a fierce and a fierce and a